I just feel uh, a lot of gratitude to be able to be here and to celebrate this Eucharist with you. And uh, actually, even before being a monk, uh, Benedictine monk, and I'm not even sure if many of you uh, are familiar with monks, or actually there aren't that many of us around. Who, who's familiar with monks in general? Raise your hand so I get a sense. Oh, not too bad. Um, but before I, uh, I was a, a monk, I was actually a diocesan priest. And uh, so this brings back many good memories, which tell you that it wasn't fearful or I was running away from something, uh, but I was running towards what God was asking of me in my life. So I, I became a monk later. But I also have come to know Father Mark Guzman uh, over the years. And uh, uh, really one of the things that stays with me is that he's really uh, a good man a very good man, uh, a man that brings peace uh, with him, and you sense that with him. And uh, his humility is not one where it is a false humility, where it gives you the impression that he is, uh, he's humble. He's just the way that he is, nothing more and nothing less. And by doing that, he really allows for the splendor of God to shine through. So it is a real honor uh, to be with a community in which he has been charged to care for the souls, for your souls. And I believe that uh, he has done uh, very well in the past, and I have every, uh, every um, belief, that conviction that he, he's doing the same here. I'd like to be able to share with you a little bit of uh, the reflection on the readings today. Actually, it's, it's one of the most beautiful passages. In fact, the whole monastic movement began with this particular passage. I don't know if you know... Uh, Saint uh, Anthony of the Desert. He's really uh, considered the father of monasticism altogether. And Saint Benedict later on in the sixth century became the father of Western monasticism. So there was a change from the East and then it went over to the West. So really the whole movement during that time is that there, uh, there were just a bunch of men and later on women as well who decided during that period of time in the 300s after the, uh, the end of the persecution of the church, that there was a new form of martyrdom. And this was the men who dedicated themselves to searching for God alone. And they decided to do that by leaving the city and going into the desert and searching for God there. And really, Anthony was really one of the first one because this very passage, what happened is that one day as a young man, he was at mass like all of us. And this particular gospel was proclaimed. And at that moment when it was proclaimed for Anthony, it seemed like everything moved away and it was God speaking directly to him. If you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, then come and follow me. And he couldn't, he couldn't deny that because the voice of the Lord was so sweet to him. So he went home, sold all of his stuff, uh, gave a portion of it to take care of his mother, sent his little sister into a convent, and gave some money there for, for that community, and gave the rest of the poor, and he went into the, into the desert. And his life was just so inspiring because anyone who came to him over the years really experienced the presence of God in him to the point where St. Athanasius during that time wrote about the life of Antony. And that made this whole movement explode. Monasteries in Egypt was going everywhere. Monasteries as big as 2,000 men. And later on, they were doing excavation and found that 
just as many monasteries of men, although they were bigger, there were even more women monasteries close by as well. So really, uh, this particular passage uh, is really powerful and really for us as monks ha has something that's very deep. That's the power of the word if we truly listen and permit the word of God to strike our hearts, as St. Paul says in that, um, in that second reading. It's like a two-edged sword. Words by itself means nothing, but if they're words of God, they cut right through the heart and, sp and speak directly to us and move us uh, to act upon it. I'd like to go in a little bit here. I promise you won't be very long. Uh, uh, monastic preaching is very short. Otherwise, monks start uh, yawning and they, they get upset because, because their meal is being delayed. Um, and this passage is, is very beautiful in the sense that here's a young man who runs up to Jesus, not asking to be healed or for something, which is the norm all around Jesus. People were coming up, heal this, heal my daughter, heal my servant, you know, take care of my mother-in-law, all of these things. And, and they were sick and they were crippled. They were asking for something. Here's a man who wanted to give, who wanted to follow. What a beautiful thing that is. And so he comes up and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, Jesus says, well, all of these things um, that the commandments, have you done all of those things? And it's wonderful that he's able to say, teacher, all of these things I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus, uh, it says here, Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Of course, we know here that the statement is that his face fell sad. He felt sad because he had many possessions. What a sad thing it is. Young and rich and really truly loved God. Because he followed those commandments and ran up and said, I want to be perfect. What must I do? But he loved God and he loved money. He loved God and he loved money. Just... A note here, though, Jesus never spoke against those who are rich or even money itself. It's just the love of money that St. Paul later says is the root of all evil. And you, you also remember, you cannot love God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. You come to hate one, love one, and despise the other. And that's really the tyranny of loving of money. Instead, what God is asking of us is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And essentially, that's what Jesus is asking him. You love God already. You prove that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you can prove that by using the money and the gifts that God has given to you to do just that. You have a powerful, powerful tool to be able to do that. And so, he has to learn that. I think there are stories about this young man later coming back, having been able to overcome that. This is not the end. This is not the end. But I like to point out that money is very dangerous when we love it because it comes to rule us. And what Jesus says is that you cannot uh, uh, serve two masters, you cannot love God and mammon at the same time, is because money, unlike Satan, money is God 
that compels others to become slaves to it. Because think about it, you and I aren't searching out for Satan to worship him. <laughs> At least that's I'm assuming here. <laughs> but people are searching out to become slaves to money. It is, in fact, in life, it, it's worse than Satan. Because people are running to money and becoming slaves to it. It is a very, very sad thing, and we got to be very careful about that and recognize that because later on, as Jesus says, you know, you can't, uh, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, and they were astonished about that because the disciples were thinking, this is a good man, this is a good prospect, this is a good candidate, <laughs> and if he can't follow us, then it's over. But Jesus really emphasized, and he says, for human beings it's impossible, but for God all things are possible. And that is to love God and permitting God to really touch your heart in the same way that touched St. Anthony. Then you can truly love your neighbor, and that's proof of it, as much as you love yourself. But money, you know that it's replacing God because, as God says, with God all things are possible. You know what they say in the world? With money, all things are possible. Be careful of money. The love of money is a very dangerous thing. And proof of our love and being able to share that is the capacity really here to experience others who have been generous to us. You and I are recipients of other people's generosity, first and foremost our own parents. You and I are in this church here because we didn't build this. <laughs> Many others who had given before to give us the space to worship our God you and I are recipients of people who love God and us, their neighbor, and it gives us life. I'd like to end with, uh, with the last story here. When I was uh, a seminarian, I was studying over uh, in Rome. In fact, Father uh, Mark's uh, last trip uh, over to Rome, he stopped by the monastery where I was staying at San Anselmo off of the, uh, uh, on the, uh, on, on the valley, um, See, this is uh, what happens. You're away from it. You can't remember. Uh, I was going to say Janiculum, but it's not. It's on the, um, there's, there's seven hills, and I can't remember. Forget it. Um, but he came and visited me. In any case, it makes me remind myself of uh, uh, the first time that I was over in Rome. I was studying at the North American College. And we had a ministry um, of going out uh, to, uh, to, to work. It was my second year, and this was in the year 2000. So... 21 years ago. Yeah, I'm a lot older than you think. <laughs> and uh, we would go down with a few other seminarians uh, from the North American College with a chaplain uh, for a military base, uh, and it was one of the supporting one in Gaeta. And so we went down in there, and so we stayed there the night be, uh, before, and then we'd go to the base and celebrate mass and, uh, and be able to uh, enjoy an American meal and, uh, and buy some stuff at the commissary there. Uh, like Betty Crocker's, you know, brownies. Uh, I don't know why I remember that, because all the, the seminarians would ask, you know, get me four boxes of that or whatever, because we can't have access to American food. Um, so we go down there, and we stay at this place, a monastery that was a Benedictine monastery, at a place called Montagna Speccata. It's called Montagna Speccata. It literally means a mountain that is, uh, that is split, 
and the theory is that, or the story is that, at the crucifixion of Christ, uh, all the, 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 the sadness of the Father was overwhelming that it shook the whole earth and it split this mountain in three places. There's a monastery that is there. When we were there 20 years ago, 21 years ago, uh, there were about four monks that were there. And they were all elderly, uh, you know, just like your Italian uh, monk, if you can imagine. And uh, I, uh, I came there as a young seminarian. I was, I don't know, maybe 20, uh, 24 years old. And uh, it was overnight, so we, we had our backpack, and so we'd come there and stay overnight. And I remember one time visiting with one of those monks, uh, Father Luigi. And, uh, and I, I peeked into his cell that he had, and I was flabbergasted at how little he had in there. <laughs> this man who's been living this probably for the last, I don't know, 150 years, uh, and, and he's got nothing there at all. He's got his table there, and he's got his Bible. He's got a little, he's got a, a, a writing utensil, and then he's got his little notebook that he has that he probably does his lexio. And then I look over to the side, and he's got a few books there. And then I look over at the closet, and he's got his, uh, like, I think, three habits. And, and I don't see much else that is there. <laughs> I'm assuming that in the drawer, he probably has, you know, like, undershirt and underwear, and most likely clean ones, too. And uh, so, so, I, so I was talking to him. I said, oh, my goodness, is this all that you have? He says, that's all I need. And, uh, and uh, he says, uh, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that. And he says, well, well, how much do you have? I, he says, uh, I noticed you have a backpack. I said, yeah, I have a backpack because I'm just passing through. And he says, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Keeping our eyes focused on the Lord and his kingdom allows for us to see things rightly, their true value. That's what we all need here in a world in which the values are totally different from what is being preached by Jesus. We come here to Jesus to hear his word, to let him touch us, and really give us the vision that he has to put all things in right perspective.